Howdy folks, I want to welcome you to another episode of Life Around the Fire. My name is David Hutari and I'll be your host today. We are a podcast that is devoted to spiritual growth. And when I'm talking about spiritual growth, what I'm referring to is growth in our relationship with God and in our relationships with one another. What we're going to do today in this episode is once again look in on this topic of cutting the covenant. For those of you who haven't listened to the previous podcast and don't have an understanding of what covenant is, my encouragement would be for you to go back a couple of previous podcasts and take a listen to the whole aspect of covenant. Because in respect of time, I'm going to dive right into point number three today. So, If you feel a little bit lost, I would encourage you to go back and take some time and review the previous two podcasts. It'll bring you up to speed. So, in brief review, the cutting of covenant involves, in our situation, blood. Because blood covenant is the highest form of covenant that's available. There is no higher level that anyone can achieve or agree upon in covenant. There's no higher level than blood covenant. It's an unbreakable binding covenant. It's bigger than a contract. It's bigger than a promise. It's bigger than a vow. It's most certainly bigger than in a just kind of an arrangement or an agreement. It is a covenant. And value that's placed upon it is immeasurable when we're talking about blood covenant between two parties. Now, in the book of Hebrews, we have a description of what the new covenant found in the blood of Jesus, the covenant that has been cut with us for those of us who believe in Jesus, the work that he accomplished on the cross for those of us who put our faith in him and what he has accomplished and that it has been attributed to us as righteousness, what he did because we believe in him and we place our faith in the fact that he did it on our behalf, it's considered and it's counted to us as being as though we ourselves did it. And we enter into covenant with God based upon the finished work of Jesus. By faith, it's attributed to us as righteousness. In Hebrews chapter 8, 
Beginning at verse 8, the writer says this. He goes, look, the day will come, declares the Lord, when I will satisfy the people of Israel and Judah by giving them a new covenant. Excuse me. It will be an entirely different covenant than the one I made with their fathers when I led them by my hand out of Egypt. For they did not remain faithful to my covenant. So I rejected them, says the Lord God. For here is the covenant I will one day establish with the people of Israel. I will embed my laws within their thoughts and fasten them onto their hearts. I will be their loyal God and they will be my loyal people. And the result of this will be that everyone will know me as Lord. There will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers by saying, you should know Yahweh since everyone will know me inwardly from the most unlikely to the most distinguished. For I will demonstrate my mercy to them and will forgive them their evil deeds and never remember again their sins. That's powerful. When we unpack that covenant, we understand that the promises that are found here are so precious that when applied, they literally silence the powers of evil when we confront them. It doesn't matter what we confront. It doesn't matter the obstacle. It can be poverty. It can be sickness. It can be war. It can be an element of torment from an oppressor. When we are in covenant with God, he has provided for us promises that go along with that covenant that combat the things that come against us. And when we know what those things that are provided are, we can actually take a stand. But if we don't know what those things are, we oftentimes don't utilize them and suffer the consequences. It was said one time that there was a person who was from the occult and they had the ability to see the different auras or the images, light that was around certain people. And they could tell what their aura was. And when they would see someone who was a believer in Jesus, the aura that they had was described as being just a brilliant light that was so incredibly powerful However, the people were not intimidated. The occult individuals were not intimidated by the individuals that had this aura because the people often didn't know that they had this light. They walked around in ignorance to the light that there was available to them to combat the forces of darkness. And so the occult members really didn't have that much concern over many of the believers In fact, the joke was this, if they only knew. (laughs) If they only knew what kind of power they really had. Well, when we do know 
Once again, that story of us saying previously regarding that one person who was a bag lady walking on the shopping cart, eating scraps, not realizing that she had a bank account that had millions of dollars in it. That can be us pertaining to the promises of the covenant that God has given to us. And we can walk around being kind of like uh, beat up, just really under the thumb of evil because we don't exercise our power or we don't know what's available to us. So it behooves us to understand and to know what it is that we have available to us. And in the New Covenant, we talked about the previous two things. And if you haven't been brought up to speed, I would encourage you to go and visit, once again, the previous two podcasts and get informed pertaining to the other aspects so that we're not wasting time going through that again in this particular episode. But the third element that we're looking at right now pertains to this statement right here. And the result of this will be from verse 11. And the result of this will be that everyone will know me as Lord. There will be no need at all to teach their fellow citizens or brothers by saying, you should know Yahweh because everyone will know the Lord inwardly. Now that part right there, on the surface, might not sound like much. But once again, unpacking it a bit, that statement right there tells us this. In this new covenant, there is no such thing as the haves and the have-nots. There is no such thing as the rich keep getting richer and the poor keep getting poorer, or those that have the power are the ones that have the ability to do things, and those that have no power, tough luck. It is saying that the first will be last, and the last will be first. In essence, it doesn't really matter whether you're first or last. <laughs> because we're all equal. The first is as equal as the last, and the last is as equal as the first. There's no more jockeying for position. There's no more, well, this person's got all the money, this person doesn't have any money, or this person doesn't have any money, but they got the smarts, so they know how to trick people that got the money. All this competition goes back and forth where there is a breakdown of relationships, and you have strife because you have the haves and the have-nots, that age-old problem. The haves and the have-nots. Those that got the money and those that don't have the money. Those that have the power, those that don't have the power. The fight goes on and on and on and on. I don't care what nation you're from. I don't care what tribe you're from. I don't care what kind of background you come from. The haves and the have-nots have been fighting since sin entered into the situation. The New Covenant says that's not the case pertaining to those within the covenant. 
We don't treat each other that way. Praise God. We don't treat each other like the world treats one another. We don't treat one another better because they've got money and treat someone less because they don't have money. Remember when Paul talked about that at the love feast in 1 Corinthians, where he said, man, some of you guys, you come to this love feast and the people that don't have any money, you're shunning them. You're not spending any time with them or you come in there and you just gobble things up and you don't care what anyone else brings. Making distinguishing comments, remarks about, ah, well, this person brought this, this person didn't bring that, this person has this, this person has that, this person doesn't have this. All that competition, comparing, measuring one another amongst each other. Paul said that's not wise when we measure ourselves amongst ourselves. That's foolish. Christ is our measurement. He is the one that we are brought to when it's a standard that we are being brought unto. It's Jesus. It's not looking at each other and saying, well, this person has this, and I don't have that, or I want what they have, and I'm not happy with what I have. That have and have nots, that whole mentality goes away in the new covenant. It's a non-issue. You want to know if someone's born again? One of the ways is to see the fact that they no longer consider themselves to be lesser or greater. They no longer consider themselves to be lesser or greater. They have been redeemed. We have all been bought by blood. We all have a basis of equality. That is such good news. That puts an end to strife when we understand in the new covenant, there is no one that has to be the teacher and the other one has to be the student. We are all disciples and friends. Praise God. The reality of the new covenant is that we have true equality. Because we have been made royalty, each and every one of us. There are no longer Jews and Gentiles. There are no longer those who know God with secret knowledge and those that don't know God because they don't have that secret knowledge. Those who are really spiritual and those that aren't so much spiritual. Oh, man, come on. There are people that flaunt that around all the time, that they have the knowledge and the other people don't. And they kind of look down on other people that don't. I'm like, get with it. Where are you? You know, treating people lesser or treating people greater. Kind of like idolizing people because they have great gifts. We are equal in value, but we differ in function. I'm going to say that again. We are equal in value. In the eyes of God, we are equal in value but we differ in function. We have to have things that function. There has to be someone who leads and there has to be someone who sets up chairs. But the first will be last and last will be first. It doesn't really matter. God gets glorified. That's where we are really, really, really focused in on. That's what we are really, really, really focused in on is God being glorified. The glory of the Lord hosting the glory of the Lord. 
Now, God is not going to come into the midst of the people that are fighting and bickering, but he's going to manifest himself in a group of people that have covenant with him and with one another, that understand the meaning of that, and also who know what to do with these promises. Once we have these promises in view, when there's a powerful move that looks to oppress us from the enemy, and we know that we are equal, that we are united, we can stand up as a united front and we don't have to succumb to the divisive ways that produce a downfall within our culture. We can be a people that stand up strong because we value one another because we have seen that God values us. We value one another with the same value that God placed on us, which is his life's blood. That's how valuable we are to God. We are so valuable that he shed all of his blood for every ounce of who we are. Even the dregs of who we were, he owns it, transforms it, and unites us so that we can be a people that are a strong force moving together with him so that the gates of hell cannot withstand us moving forward. We're not the ones being beat up by the devil. We are the ones who are advancing and we are setting the captives free. We have come to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, healing for the sick, raising the dead, cleansing the lepers, giving sight to the blind, equaling the playing field, lifting up the valleys, bringing down the mountains. Praise God. The new covenant is one where there no longer are haves and have-nots. The rich don't keep getting richer and the poor don't keep getting poorer in the new covenant. That's why in the new covenant, if we have wealth, we share it. If we have faith, we share it. God has said the poor of the world will be rich in faith. Amen. We need faith. Those who have resources can provide help for those who are poor in resources. We see mountains come down, valleys lifted up. Praise God. This is the new covenant. When we see that in motion, it's an attractive sight. It is a beautiful thing to see people that are redeemed working together, sharing resources. The book of Acts. Come on, man. Seeing people in the first eight chapters of the book of Acts, the momentum that was going on, how they had things in common. The first were last, the last were first. It didn't matter. We are all one because it is one blood, one body, one church, united, one baptism. Praise God. One covenant, the new covenant, in the blood of Jesus. And when we understand the promises that there are no longer haves and have-nots, we begin to treat each other differently. We can respect those who have a lot, but we don't have to be in awe of them. Also, we can respect someone who doesn't have much. We don't have to pity them. We are equal, and we function as equal. When we go into different places where people don't have as much money as we do, we don't flaunt our money. We bring our money to share so that things can be equal. 
because we are designed to be that way. And that way, there are no people that are the superior spiritual ones saying, well, we really know God and you really don't know God that much. Because in the new covenant, we're all going to know him inwardly. Praise God. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for the reality that you bring down the barriers, the dividing walls between us so that we can function as a one heart. We can function as a people with one mind, one heart, one vision, one faith, one baptism, one forgiveness of sins as by the blood of Jesus. We are equal, God, yet different in the way that we do things. Amen. Father, thank you for that. We celebrate the difference. And we look at what you've given us and we say, thank you, God. Now help us blend together and be one as you are one. And we pray these things, Father, in the name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs> All right, folks, if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns, please feel free to drop us a line at lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. Lifearoundthefire is all one word, all lowercase, lifearoundthefire at gmail.com. We will get back in touch with you. We'd love to hear from you. In the meantime, God bless you. Adios, amigos.